pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Bible this morning, open to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Praise the Lord. Two Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I'm going to read it in the King James first and then in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now I want to read it in the Amplified. It says, For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now I want to read just verse 4 in the New Living Translation. It says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So imaginations, knowledge, bringing thoughts captive, human reasonings, arguings, it's obvious that the strongholds that we have to pull down are in the realm of our minds or in the thought life. And they also have something to do with our will and our desires because that's where your will is established, is in your mind. In other words, the battleground where these strongholds seem to be, uh, uh, seem to be are in the mind or the thought realm. This is where the strongholds are. And the ones Paul is talking about are the reasons and dogmas or past teachings and principles that people have established in their minds that are directing their lives and the ones that need to be pulled down are the ones that are contrary to the word of God. These are to be brought into captivity compared with the word of God. And if they don't line up with the word, we cast them down as vain imaginations. And we don't pick them up again. But these are strongholds and fortifications that we have in our mind that must be pulled down and destroyed before a person's thinking or his beliefs or the established principles in his life can be changed. And that will never happen by wrestling with them with carnal, fleshly 
means. Amen? Amen. I mean, not wrestling or warring after the flesh is fairly simple to understand. It means we're wasting our time with people and circumstances uh, trying to pull down a fortified fortify stronghold that's been established in their mind using natural weapons or natural means. It's, it, it's not a flesh and blood argument. It's a spiritual thing. Strongholds have to be pulled down in the spirit realm. We can't argue with our wife. <laughs> I take that back. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example. You know, when you argue with a person and they've got a preconceived idea, which is a stronghold in their mind, you're not going to change their minds. But if you take it before God in prayer, God can change their mind. Yes. God can change their beliefs, their principles. Yes. God can touch their heart. So yes. Paul's saying you're wasting your time arguing and fighting in the natural. Yes. Because you're not going to pull that stronghold down. It's been there too long. It's too well fortified. And they're not going to budge from it. Not, not wise, but just anybody. It's that way with anybody. I use that example with wives because I don't know about you, but I haven't won too many arguments with my wife. <laughs> Amen. And it's not because she's always right. She is most of the time, but not always. <laughs> time to move on. Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect and good and acceptable will of God. That's why I say the, the will rests in the mind. And we have to trade our will for his will. We have to say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And, and But every time we try to do this, we come up against these strongholds and beliefs and ideas and principles that have been established in our mind from wherever from things we heard, things we read, things we were taught. And it's hard to get past that and get to the word of God. And that's why people say, I know what the word says. I know what the Bible says, but yes. they've already got this stronghold in their mind, but they can't get past it. Even though they know the word is true, even though they know that what they believe is contrary to the word, they can't get that stronghold out of the way. Strongholds. Yes. They're designed by the enemy to keep us from advancing. Yes, it is. To keep us from going forward. And understanding strongholds and how the enemy uses them is the key to full conformity to God's word. I began looking for illustrations and examples that I could use this morning that would give us not only more understanding, but would help to establish an image in our minds that we can never forget. When I get through this morning, I hope you have a full understanding of the word stronghold and have a picture of it in your mind so that you'll never have to worry about coming up against it and being defeated by it again. Amen. I ran across a comparative scenario that did exactly that. On, on June 6, 1944, we're going to have a history lesson this morning. The Allied forces invaded the beaches of Normandy, France, in an operation called D-Day. I don't know what D-Day means. Many people say 
it, it means decision day or something like that, but there's no nothing that will prove that or, or bear it out. But it was the largest military invasion in the history of the world. There was no other larger military uh, invasion than that. And it was also the turning point for World War II. World War II didn't end on that day, but that's the day that it turned into a victory. It involved 156,000 troops made up of U.S., British, and Canadian forces. That's why I call it L.I. troops. And there were close to 7,000 ships and landing vessels, over 3,300 aircraft, including 900 gliders that delivered ordnance and uh, airborne troops behind enemy lines. And the success of that invasion was so important that if the Allied forces would have failed to secure that beach, and eventually liberate France and the rest of Europe, then, well, let me put it this way, the next time you make a phone call, instead of it saying press one for English, it would say press one for German. That's how important that battle was, and that's how significant it was that we win that battle and defeat the Germans, the Nazis. But it came at a very high cost, as all freedom does, especially since the Nazis were well prepared for the invasion and the allied troops they had no element of surprise they were waiting for them they were uh trenched in and and well protected from the attack and those troops stormed the beaches of normandy and they were mowed down by german machine gun fire and artillery fire that came from these well fortified positions known as strongholds and they were six foot thick concrete bunkers that only had a narrow slot in the front and a steel door in the back for them to go in and out of. And uh, the narrow slot in the front was just for the machine gun to go back and forth and up and down. So uh, they were so impervious to the attacks of the American that even the, the bombs and the ordnance we were dropping on, we, don't, we didn't have modern weaponry like we do today, but it didn't even make a dent in them. And the casualties were upward of 10,000 men in that invasion. And the vast majority of those men died in the very first wave of the attack. The first soldiers out of the landing craft were being gunned down by the German machine gun fire that was coming from what they called pillboxes or high towers, but they were actually the fortified strongholds. But I want you to start to form a picture of what a stronghold actually is and how significant they are in keeping well-trained army, well-trained soldiers and troops from advancing on the battlefield. The only way they would be able to secure those beaches is by pulling those strongholds down, taking them out of commission. And the machine gun fire coming from them were trained on the tailgates of the landing craft that was hitting the beach. And as soon as that tailgate opened, and then soldiers started to run out, those machine guns just mowed them down. One out of every three didn't survive that. And so they started rolling over the sides of the craft and trying to come up the side of the craft, but the water was knee and waist deep, and it, was, it slowed them down to the point they were just sitting ducks and they were being picked off. And that's why when I see a bunch of cowards burning a flag or pulling down a statue, 
or defacing a memorial, a war memorial or something it makes me want to puke because of all the brave men and women in the armed forces that have given their lives for this country and for the freedom that we enjoy. Yeah. But anyway, taking those Nazi uh, strongholds and silencing those machine guns were a top priority if they were going to move forward and improve the odds for the troops that would come in the second and third waves of that attack. Only problem was, like I said, the, the strongholds were so well fortified that nothing could seem to penetrate them. The only way they could be stopped was to get a hand grenade or a Molotov cocktail thrown through that slot where the machine gun was firing. So somehow you had to get around the side of it and then approach it from the side and throw that in there. But they were getting killed trying to approach that thing. But D-Day was the most decisive battle of World War II. I mean, wave after wave of Allied soldiers, mostly Americans, stormed those beaches until they finally pulled down those strongholds uh, that the Nazis were occupying. But this is what a stronghold does. It keeps you from advancing forward. And although the war continued, the victory was secured on D-Day, June 6, 1944. But even though the outcome of the war was decided that day, the reality is that the bloodiest part of the war was still to come. It took another year and thousands more lives before the entire victory was finally manifested and secured. But bar none, that was the greatest military invasion of all time. But as great as it was, there was a spiritual invasion that took place over 2,000 years ago that would make D-Day pale in comparison. You know, we have the natural and we have the spiritual. Yes. But it was the time that God manifested in the flesh and invaded the beaches of planet Earth to set all humanity free, not just Europe. And the enemy succeeded in nailing him to a cross and his precious blood flowed freely to the base of that cross, just like it did on the beaches of Normandy. Yes. Yeah. But right before Jesus died on the cross, he uttered these words, it is finished. Yes. And the devil thought, what is finished? What is he talking about? That's a phrase I should be saying, not him. I finished him. And if the devil had known, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Right. Amen. He found out three days later exactly what it meant because he was the one that was finished. Yes. Jesus invaded the beaches of this world and he came to shed his blood and die for your sins and my sins. Yes. And he came to secure a victory that would last forever. Yes. Yeah. Satan nailed him to that cross thinking he defeated him, but it backfired on him because all he did was bruise Jesus' heel but Jesus bruised his head. Jesus crushed his head. In other words, it was a minor injury to Jesus, what he did to Jesus, nailing him to the cross. But it was total devastation for him. Yes. Just like D-Day, the victory was won that day, but the battle wasn't over. The only stronghold Satan had on humanity was uh, sin. And Jesus eradicated that sin that day on the cross. And, and 
there is only one sin, one sin that the blood could not cover. I know you find that hard to believe because uh, just one drop of that blood will cover all the sins of the entire earth for everybody. But there's one sin the blood can't cover, and that sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ, there is that's called the unpardonable sin. There's no salvation for that. And the devil knows that. John said in 1 John 5, 16, there is a sin unto death. And then he said not to even bother praying for it. What is that sin? Again, rejecting Jesus Christ. The blood will not cover that sin. If you say no to Christ, you have committed the unpardonable sin. It's blasphemy. For everything that Jesus did. And for us to turn our back on him. I'm going somewhere with this. The analogy will be clear in a minute. But when Jesus invaded the beaches of this world, he was mowed down by the machine gun fire of the cross. But it was planned from the beginning of the world, from the foundations of the world, the Bible says. And as a result of what Jesus did, Satan lost his authority over every one of us. Yes. He has no authority over any one of us. But here's what Paul is saying in our opening scripture. Even though the victory had been won, the battle rages on. Yes. And there's still going to be strongholds that need to be pulled down in our lives as we advance as, an, as a mighty army of God. But just like D-Day, we're marching towards victory now. Amen. Uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're marching from victory, not towards victory. Yes. The victory was wrought 2,000 years ago on the cross. Yes. So we're not marching towards victory. We're marching from victory. Yes. Amen. We're taking territory. Yes, we are. Yes. And we're pulling down every yes. stronghold that yes. will keep us Hallelujah. from taking that territory. Hallelujah. We're renewing our minds on yes. the word of God. And we're casting down anything that's contrary to the word of God. Yes. Yes. But the enemy is not going to give anything up that we don't take by force. Amen. He's defeated. He knows it. But he's not giving up anything unless we take it by force. Yes. Hitler knew on D-Day that he was finished. And the only thing that kept him and his henchmen going is the fact that they were demon-possessed and deceived into thinking that they could still win. Yes. They knew they didn't have a chance, but they kept fighting to the bitter end until finally they surrendered and Hitler supposedly committed suicide. And this is a, an exact picture of what Satan is doing now. He's the spiritual Hitler of hell. Mm -hmm. And he's doing the same thing. He's a walking dead man, but he refuses to accept that. And so he goes about the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Yes. And he uses deception yes he has to deceive you into thinking that he has authority over you that's right and he don't have any authority over you Amen. sin has been eradicated you don't have to sin anymore Amen. he knows he doesn't have a chance and he knows his time is short because the one thing he had control over mankind was sin but jesus destroyed that on calvary can no longer destroy us with or control us with sin. Amen. 
And then after the death on the cross, Jesus stormed hell itself and pulled down the strongholds and high towers that would keep us from victory in the future. And he silenced the machine gun fire and stripped the devil of all his weapons and authority and he set the captives free. Hallelujah. We're free, hallelujah. Yes, I mean, I mean, the, the Allied forces freed Europe that day, or yes, yes. in the following days, yes. starting with France, and then they marched right into Germany. They yes. took over the devil's, the very devil's territory, and that's what Jesus had to do. He went into the devil's realm, the devil's oh, territory, and defeated him yes, there. Yes, he did. That's one thing about the United States and the sovereignty of our state is that we have. I'm ashamed to say this. Besides the civil war, we have never allowed a foreign war to be fought on our soil. Yeah. We took it to them. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He took it to the devil and defeated him in his own territory, in his own turf. Amen. And he stripped him. Yes. He says, sickness and disease yeah. ripped it right off of him. Yes. Poverty ripped it right off yeah. of him. Yeah. Uh, 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 Demon possessed, ripped it right off. Every yes. authority the devil had, Jesus stripped him of it. Yes. Yes. Left him powerless. Left him without authority. And then he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave from him. Yes, he did. I mean, Satan was totally and completely defeated that day. But what does he try to do? He tries to hold on to the territory he knows is no longer his. And he's going to fight till the bitter end and take down as many as he can. Yes. Yep. yes. I heard another illustration of a person being pushed into a swimming pool. And I can really relate to this in real life because I had a brother-in-law named George and he had a swimming pool. <laughs> and if you went by his house, I don't care if you were in clothes or in a swimming suit, Sooner or later, you would be pushed into that swimming pool. Yes. Yeah. Him and his henchmen. Usually Candy or sometimes his brother. But somebody was going to get with George and push you into that pool. But by the time you seen him coming, you knew it was too late. You knew you were going in. And there would be nothing you could do about it. So what do you do? You start grabbing hands and arms and legs and hair and swimming suit everything that you can and you know that you're going in but you're going to take everybody in with you as many as you can you're going to take in with you and that's the only satisfaction you're going to get from going in especially if you get a hold of him yes you couldn't grab him by his hair but anyway that's how it is with the devil except he's going into a lake the lake of fire. He knows he's going in and on the way in he's going to grab everybody and everything that he can yes. and take them in with him because that's the only satisfaction he's going to get from that. But let me tell you something. You don't have to go in with him. I talked to Pastor Flint the other day and he told me he read a survey where a great deal of people believe God exists. I said praise the Lord brother that's good. He said, yeah, but on the other hand, a very small percentage of those same people that were surveyed 
believe that the devil exists. Isn't that interesting? And the devil said, Amen. But the devil has a hold on them, and they're being dragged along with him into the lake of fire, and they don't have to go. But they don't realize it. Yes. Why? Because the devil is using the only weapon that he has left, and that is deception and stronghold. Yes. He has built a stronghold in their mind that tells them, contrary to the word of God, that there is no devil. Well, I know what the word says, but. No, there is no buts about it. If the word says it, that's it. That's the end of it. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't make any difference. That's the truth. Yes. But they have this stronghold in their mind, and if it don't get pulled down by them, they're going to follow the devil right into the lake of fire. Because he don't exist. That's awful comforting for somebody that's probably on their way to hell. It would be very comforting for them to know that there is no hell. There's only a heaven. So I can't go but one place no matter how I live or what I do. I don't even have to accept Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven because there is no hell. He's got you by your swimming trunks. And you're going in with him. The other thing he does to believers is he tries to keep you from advancing forward by hanging on to the territory that he's already lost. He's lost his territory, but he's hanging on to it to the bitter end, just like Hitler and his henchmen did. And we keep fighting him for the territory because we don't realize that we already won the victory. That's a stronghold that must be pulled down. The stronghold that we think that he hasn't been totally and completely defeated yet. And even though the victory was already won on Calvary, he wants to keep you from going forward and pulling down the strongholds that once kept you from advancing. He don't want to lose those strongholds. When Hitler lost those strongholds, there was nothing left to keep the Allied forces from marching into uh, France and the rest of Europe and secure their freedom. Yeah, the victory has been won, but the battle rages on until every one of our enemies, and the last one being death, has been taken out. We have to pull down every stronghold that the enemy has left and can use against us. Again, his only weapon now is deception. If he can deceive you, into sin, he will strip you of your authority. Those people that refuse to believe the devil exists is a carefully constructed stronghold that the devil erected in their minds. And so how do we pull it down? We expose them to the truth. We tell them the truth. And we tell them to cast those imaginations down because that's exactly what they are. Yeah. Cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How? By we present them with the truth and say, compare it with this. The word of God says there is a devil. There is a hell. There's a heaven again and a hell to shun. And this is the truth. And then convince them that that stronghold has to come down. 
Whenever there is a spiritual truth being conveyed in the New Testament, there's always a natural element for the spiritual truth in the Old Testament. It's presented as a type and shadow to give us more understanding. Paul said these things were done as admonitions for us, for our learning, for our teaching. Joshua, for example, had a particular stronghold called Jericho. And although he had a very powerful army with the Israelites, it was no match for the walls of Jericho. It was not going to be flesh and blood that would pull down this mighty wall, this stronghold called Jericho. Uh, this was going to have to happen by the mighty power of God. Joshua and his troops could beat on that wall all day with their swords and shields and pickaxes and everything else. And it would still be pounding on it today if they were relying on carnal fleshly weapons. Joshua understood for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He knew what that meant. And he knew he could beat on that wall all he wants to and it's not going anywhere. He knew he would have to rely on God, but he needed a word from God. He needed the weapons that were mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He said, God, I know you told me to take your people into this promised land. But there's this well-fortified stronghold called Jericho. And every time we try to approach, they're going to mow us down. God said, Joshua, see, I have past tense given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and his mighty men of valor. But you got to see it, Joshua. How? Through the eyes of faith. Romans 11.30 tells us because of faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encompassed by, uh, for seven days by the Israelites. By faith, the walls came down. That's not a carnal weapon. That's a spiritual weapon that's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's going to take faith to pull those strongholds down. It takes faith to believe the word of God. Over which your brother-in-law or uncle or whoever told you. God said, Joshua, you and all your men of war will march around the city of Jericho once a day for six days with seven priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before you. And they will have seven trumpets. And the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times yeah. in one day. And then the priests shall blow the trumpets, and when they do, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Not just a shout, but a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. This is an example of that. And Joshua said, God, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. How in the world is that going to cause these great walls to fall? How is that going to pull this great stronghold down? Just marching around blowing trumpets? But no, Joshua didn't say that, thank God. 
And I bet the king and all the mighty men of valor behind those walls thought the same thing. Look at these crazy Israelites. Have you ever done something for God and people call you crazy? Yes. Why? They don't understand how God works. They don't understand the mighty weapons of God. They don't understand that he don't think like us and he don't do the things that we do. He has his own way of doing things. And you know what? They're not logical. And many times they don't make any sense to us. But we're thinking with what? A carnal mind. Yes. We're thinking of carnal weapons. Yes. What can I get to do this? I got to do something. I got to get another job. I got to make more money. I got to fix this thing. Some things you can't fix, though. But you know, it's hard to shout when the stronghold is still standing. That was a shout of faith. You know, if the walls fell, it would be easy to shout then. If the pain left, it would be easy to shout then. Amen. If the money showed up before the lights went out, it would be easy to shout then. Yes. But God requires by faith that you shout before you yes. see these things yes. happen. Yes. 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 That's what Israel had to do. The psalmist said, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God the voice of triumph. That's exactly what that was, was the voice of triumph. Yes. When you start shouting and praising God because you're for your healing before you are healed, before you see the manifestation, before the pain and the symptoms leave, that's the voice of triumph. Yes. Sometimes God has to hear something Come on. before he moves. You got to show them some faith yes, yes. sometimes. And if you're still being defeated, it's because you're fighting on the devil's terms. You're warring in the flesh when it's a spiritual battle. Yes. You're using carnal weapons when you need to be using the weapons of God. Yes. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. Sometimes you have to take things into the spirit realm to defeat them. Yes. Quit fighting with them in the natural realm. Yes. Get out of your flesh. Stop wrestling with flesh and blood and bring this battle into the realm of the spirit where God's power is. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you realize the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, then you'll bring them into the presence of God. And that's when you'll see things turn around and change. Yes. Do you want to see miracles? Yes. I do. I'm glad yes. two of you do. You want to see the supernatural, the impossible made possible? Yes. You want to see deaf ears open and tongues loose and crippled limbs healed yes. and incurable diseases healed? Yes. It begins in his presence in the spirit. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, we should go forth in the glory of God, manifesting these things. Yes. Like Shannon says, take them out there. Yes. It's wonderful to feel the presence of God in here. But take the presence of God into Starbucks and let them feel it there. Yes. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just 
His presence is already in you. Just bring it in there. Yes. Amen. Pray over your meal in front of the heathen. We want Jesus to operate in and through us as he operated when he walked this earth. Amen. When darkness attacks you, drag it into the light. Amen. When something has attached itself to you, drag it into your prayer closet. Hallelujah. When sickness has attached itself to you, drag it into the presence of God. It can't stand in the presence of God. When deception has attached itself to you, drag it into the truth. Drag it into the word of God. Yes. Don't let it become a stronghold. Pull it down. Amen. Get beyond those strongholds and advance. Amen. Take the things the enemy is tormenting you with and take it into the spirit realm and deal with it there. Yes. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yes. Mm -hmm. You get in the spirit by praying in the spirit. Yeah. Yes. You know, these things have a certain amount of power and authority in the natural realm. There's no doubt about it. We can change things in the natural realm. Uh, but it's limited because we're using our power. That's why Paul told us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And anytime you try to deal with these things in the flesh, you will lose. Amen. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. Yes. Amen. But when you grab them by the collar and take them into the spiritual realm, I don't care what it is, you take it into the presence of God and say, here, mm -hmm. you deal with it, God, I can't deal with it. Yes. It's beyond me, it's beyond my carnal weapons, God. You deal with this rascal. And that thing will disappear in his presence. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us again in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Yes. Put on the whole armor of God, not your armor, his armor. Yes. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Same thing Paul said to the Corinthian church. But against, now he gets more specific, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a spiritual battle. Yes. None of those things are here with us. It's a spiritual battle. And then he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, yes. that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he tells us, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, be prepared to preach the gospel everywhere you go. Yes. Whether it's Starbucks, Costco, Sam's, Walmart, or Kroger, be prepared. Yes. And then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, 
which is the word of God. That's our only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit. Yes. Notice he didn't say the sword. He said the sword of the spirit. Yes. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That's why I know this thing has to be taken into the spiritual realm. Yes. This thing, uh, whatever it is, that's holding you back, this stronghold that's keeping you from moving forward has to be brought into the presence of God to be dealt with properly. Yes. Amen. God's waiting for us to do that. Yes. He wants us to do that. Amen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Strongholds. Yes. They're in your mind. Yes, they are. Well, how do I know it doesn't belong there? How do I know it's not the right belief? Paul said, compare it with the word. Yes. yes. Renew your mind on the word. Yes. And when this thing first comes into your mind, it will never become a stronghold because you already know the truth. Yes. And you say, uh-uh. <laughs> That's right. Take that cap that thought captive yes. and then if it becomes a thought and it tries to become imagination say, oh no that don't line up with the word of God cast that imagination down yes don't let it become a stronghold Amen. but if it's already there compare it with the word of God yeah yes. I know you've been believing it all your life and I also know it's been holding you back all your life mm. you see that in these revivals people from all walks of life but a lot of them have these strongholds in their mind the example i want to use miss grace is what we were talking about this morning where this person was being delivered and because of strongholds in the mind of the leadership they thought it was somebody having an epileptic, uh, epileptic seizure and they called an ambulance but we don't have those strongholds. We've been, we, we realize they're not true. We realize the word of God is true. And yes, people do need deliverance. Amen. That wouldn't have caught a Pentecostal by surprise, would it? No, they would have dealt with it right there. And not say anything bad. It's just that that's the way they were taught. Yes. That's the stronghold they have in their mind that the word of God goes this far, but it don't go, it don't, uh-uh, we can't go there. They have a stronghold in their mind that speaking in tongues is of the devil. So they'll never speak in tongues. Why? Not until they pull down that stronghold that tells them it's of the devil. I served the devil most of my life and never spoke in tongues one time. I didn't speak in tongues until I started serving God. Amen. 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 But I had a stronghold that told me it wasn't right. Until I pulled that stronghold down, I never would have been filled with the Holy That's Spirit right. speaking in other tongues. That's right. If I thought that the, and I did it one time, that healing was done away with with the last apostle, then I would have never got healed of that stage four cancer. Why? Stronghold. Healing's not for today. Healing's not for today. And yet the word is telling me, by my strife, you were healed. Amen. Yes. Amen. So I had to pull that stronghold down. Yes. 
Yes. Before I could open the door to healing. Amen. Strongholds. Yeah. Strongholds. Yeah. We all have them. Yes. Good or bad, they're there. And they're there for one person, for one purpose. And that is to mow you down every time you try to take the territory that That's God right. has already given you. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. God, we're so happy that you showed us what a stronghold was today. How to compare them with the word of God. How to pull them down. How to cast them down. Take them captive in the thought realm. Cast them down as imagination. Pull them down after they become strongholds. God. We're going to take your word and believe your word and your word only. Contrary to anything else we've been taught, any principle that we have established in our minds, we're going to believe the word of God only. Yes. And if something is in our mind that doesn't line up with the word, we're going to pull it down so that we can advance and take more territory for yes. the kingdom of God. We thank you and we praise you. You're a good God. And you want to expose us to to as much truth and knowledge as you could possibly expose us yes. to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because truth is freedom. Yes. yes. And freedom was paid for by Jesus Christ. Yes. And the cost was great. Hallelujah. And it was all done for us. So we yes. thank you and we praise you. We're going to put aside all these lame ideas and things that we've learned, Lord. And we're going to start filling our minds and our hearts and our spirits with the word of God. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. 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 God said, you know, Shannon and Kevin and Miss Gracie and whoever you went with, I know Steve wouldn't even go, but uh, the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, God said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, yes. he will fill you. Yes. Yes. And that's a perfect example. Yes. Your hunger and thirst for that righteousness brought you to Asbury. Yes. And it will bring you to the next place. It will bring you to this place. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. Because God is looking for a way to fill that hunger. Yes. And he will fill it. Yes, he will. Amen. Amen. Yes. God bless you. We love y'all. We'll see you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Yeah.